0: Coming up, training for new growth. From the Haunted Attraction Network, I'm Philip, and this is our weekly episode of Green Tagged, Theme Park in 30. Green Tagged covers the top theme park news from each week. Check back tomorrow for haunt-only news or subscribe to our free weekly industry newsletter at the link in our show notes. Today, we'll talk about why taking your time with training is important now, the supply chain disruptions coming from China, Universal's tickets for Halloween Horror Nights and Expo 2025. All that and more on this episode of Green Tagged Theme Park and 30. From our studios in Los Angeles, California and Tampa, Florida, this is Green Tagged Theme Park and 30. I'm Philip from Gantam Lighting and Controls and the Haunted Trash Network, and I'm joined by Scott Swenson, my co-host of Scott Swenson Creative Development.
1: Hello, hello. How's everybody doing? Hope it's a good week for you. I know it's a good week for me. I'm home. I'm back in Tampa. It's lovely. <laughs> It's great. <laughs> I've been traveling a lot, so I'm back in Tampa. So that's great.
0: Well, geez, I don't know how to segue into this. It's, no, there's no stuff segue. Is, there, no, there is no segue. I was going to say stuff is that is no not segue. great. No, no, no. From that's
1: from uh, yeah, from from the, from my from my pleasure to a really tragic situation.
0: Yeah, we we can't really not mention this on the show, uh, of course um we don't want to dwell too much on it but there's the recent tragedy in the Orlando area the 14-year-old boy who dealt died from a fall on icon the new icon park ride local authorities are investigating the death of a 14-year-old boy who fell from the Orlando freefall attraction at icon park around 11 p m thursday According to the sheriff's office, the boy was taken to a hospital shortly after the fall where he died from his injuries. The attraction, which takes up to 30 guests high into the air before dropping 400 feet at 75 miles per hour, first opened just in January of this year. Yeah, I think, uh,
1: you know, uh, there's not because it is an ongoing investigation. There's not a whole lot of, of solid facts and we don't want to sit here and report on conjecture. But I think the reason we had to talk about it is number one, it is the elephant in the room this year, or this sorry, this week in um, the, uh, the the attractions industry, and also I think it is a very painful reminder that no matter what happens with our staffing or our training, and no matter how much that budget gets. Rattled or shaken, safety still needs to be job one. Now we have no information whatsoever as to whether it was a staffing issue, whether it was uh, rider error, whether it was equipment error. We have none of that information, but we just we just felt it was it would be we would be responsible in reporting on it or at least talking about it because again it did happen. It is a big deal and it can it's a real black eye to the industry. Um, and secondly, it's a it's a very difficult reminder. That no matter what happens in our world, um, pandemic-related or not, safety still needs to be job one. It cannot slide, um, even if we're having you know banner years. Actually, especially if we're having banner years with attention or with yeah. attendance, we still may, need to maintain our attention on the uh, on on the safety of everyone who who enters our attractions. Period.
0: Yeah, yeah. There are a few other uh, stories we can link this to. Again, we don't have the full report, but I, I think re- regardless of, of what uh, what comes out, staffing is something that I think we, I think a lot of people lose sight of it. Like we we're, we're thinking now about the demand of this coming year and about what we need to add. And then we think about next year and what we're going to have to open to keep those guests coming back. But throughout all of this, we have to be thinking about really the time that it takes to truly train well our staff members and having just gone to Disneyland for my mom's birthday <laughs> you know i i can say firsthand as well there's there's still a lot of you know that the trams are recently running there were some safety misses in those tram checks <laughs> there was even a, yesterday on the bobsleds there was a there was definitely a, a seatbelt check that got missed you know and there's little things like that that and and those um are the cracks that appear when you are trying to Train up a whole staff unit to capture demand, and I just think it's a good reminder for all of us. Like, hey, we need to give time. We need to give everyone time they need to get used to the positions. Uh, And and speaking of linking these other stories, we remember Glenwood Caverns, which was uh, another recent tragedy, and that was definitely a lack of staff training. When their police report came out about that, it mentioned it directly. Um, Again, having to do with seatbelts and just make understanding the ride vehicle and the warnings on the ride vehicle because they're complicated, you know, and that kind of stuff. And similarly related or is also from this week, which is when we don't want to dwell on either, but there was a, uh, Disney got a lot of flack for a group that performed at Walt Disney World this past week. And they had some, uh, like racist bits in their performances. This has been making news again in the industry all over and people are all upset. And, and (laughs) Uh, from what from what the park said, basically the park said that though those segments were not present in the audition tape, but uh, you could you really can just go and look on YouTube and see recordings of their previous performances, uh, and you can see this bit in there. And so I think that is one of those as well. I'm going to chalk up to staffing in that, you know, that should be something you should vet. But I'm sure that. Ah, uh, because Disney again is still dealing with staff, we all are, that maybe some of that vetting kind of fell <laughs> by the wayside, but that that should be definitely you don't you don't uh, just go by what they say. Their word is in their audition tape. You look up to see what their other performances have looked like, right, Scott? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's I think you're absolutely absolutely right. And the the thing that, you know,
1: it's it's not I don't want it I don't want it to think, I don't want you guys to think that this is a staffing issue. It's a training issue mm, and having good. worked having worked in theme park for many 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 years I know that when budgets get cut the first thing that gets cut is training um OJT. It, it, uh, they don't yeah. need
0: two weeks just three days <laughs>
1: three days exactly um they can read stuff online they can learn from the youtube videos they can they yeah um so the the attractions industry is already I won't say notorious, but it, it is kind of standard operating procedure in many, many parks that um, training is the first thing that gets cut. Training is because it's not believed to be guest facing, which I just don't understand. Um, but they they claim that it's not truly guest facing and doesn't generate revenue. Um, it mm-hmm. may cost revenue if it's not done correctly in the form of you know lawsuits and refunds and that sort of thing. But... Um, Just do not, you know, if we have any HR professionals who are listening, uh, who are in the industry, um, you guys know it probably better than anyone. You're the ones who've been fighting to maintain those training budgets and to maintain the training time and the training expectations. Filling a position is not enough. You have to train the position so that it can actually do what it's set off to do. Do not think about staffing as a checklist. Do not think about staffing as we have 15 positions to fill. We have 10 people who are sitting in the waiting room looking for jobs. Great. Now we only have five positions to fill. Wrong. Wrong. Because just placing bodies in there, you know, I know there are parks who will argue with this and say, we have no choice. We have to place bodies in there. And I'm going to argue back. And that is that you don't have a choice not to properly train because it's going to come back. And 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 be detrimental to not only your guest experience, but also perhaps your financial uh, well-being as a company or a park. So um, <clears throat> staffing, yes, staffing is where it starts. Training is what will fix that. Um, and anybody, I think, who, who's ever worked in the industry will know it is better to have three well-trained, appropriate people than five people who are just sitting there pushing buttons who don't know what they're doing. Um, three people can accomplish more than five if they are properly trained and if they have the proper motivation. Um, And and everyone's going to say, Scott, you're not working for a park anymore. You just don't know how it is anymore. Well, that's crap because uh, I worked in a park for a very long time and we had the same issues 20 years ago. So um, you just cannot ignore the training. That's really what I want to hammer home here. You cannot ignore the training because it will be detrimental to your park or your attraction financially. Period.
0: Um, another thing that will be di- dis, well, detrimental. detrimental. Another thing that will be detrimental if you don't think about it and don't plan for it is the further supply chain disruptions that are going to be caused by the lockdowns in China. <laughs> I, <You laughs> I am have to- some personal experience with this, don't you? Feel I right? do. I do. Before I get into my personal experience, though, I'm going to read. A excerpt here from the story that we'll link to, which is from the New York Times. China's COVID lockdowns set to further disrupt global supply chains. Trucks are being delayed by the testing of drivers. Container rates are rising as ships wait for many hours at port. Products are piling up in warehouses. As Chinese officials scramble to contain the country's worst outbreak of COVID-19 since early 2020... They are imposing lockdowns and restrictions that are adding chaos to global supply chains. The measures in China, home to about one third of the global manufacturing, are disrupting the production of finished goods like Toyota and Volkswagen cars, Apple's iPhones, as well as components such as circus boards and computer cables. Ports in China now require workers to live and work at the docks for as long as two months at a time away from their families to prevent infections. That has allowed the ports to keep operating, even during sustained outbreaks, in contrast with severe shipping delays last spring and summer when infections forced extended closures of big container terminals in Shenzhen and near Shanghai. And they don't mention theme park stuff in there, but let me just tell you, uh, theme park components and theme park pieces are also going to be delayed, and that is because we are specialty manufacturers, all of us that provide services to that, and. Uh, most of the specialty manufacturers do have some sort of component or piece or a factory of some kind that is in these regions and the Gantam example is that our factory is in one of the areas that was shut down and they start with a two-week shutdown and it could be extended even longer by the time that they do the testing and the contact tracing and all that kind of stuff and the shutdown just it just, one day it's just done. They just show up and they're like, this building is shut down. And actually one of our, uh, one of one of our, our factory leads was there when they did the shutdown. He was not allowed to leave the building. Same as what they're saying here. So he's sleeping there on the floor for two weeks, you know, <laughs> and, and I mean, <clears throat> it's it's crazy. And, and it's not just um, the people too. That That was a big, a big piece of this is, you know, he's still there. So he's working and and we have product there that he's trying to get out, but they won't let anything leave the quarantine zone. Like it's kind of like they, they they they're still treating it as if it's an infection that can be passed on a non-living matter. So, you know, we can't even we can't even like take our lights and like roll them on a cart outside of the quarantine zone or have someone come meet them or whatever. There's no nothing can pass between it. They just deliver his meal like once a day and that's it. So there's no, um, it really truly is a lockdown, and that's on top of this the port slowdowns and all this other stuff. So I'm just saying, that's a minimum two weeks. You know, sorry, Universal Hollywood, that thing that you are <laughs> trying to open, um, eh, it might be a little two weeks late. Um, <clears throat> not our fault. Not our fault. Uh, not all our
1: fault. Well, and, and a couple <laughs> things, you know, just a couple things that I want to shine a little bit of extra light on that Philip just said. First off, you know. I know we didn't mention, I know know that this particular article does not mention specifically uh, theme parks or attractions. However, when you see something that says about one-third of global manufacturing, that's one in three, folks. So look at three things on your desk right now. One of them probably has a component that came from China. Chances are good, it's the way you're listening to us or watching us right now. So... You know, one one in three, one third of the global manufacturing is either under lockdown or slowdown. The other thing I want you guys to recognize is as Philip said, there the the factory in the microcosm of Gantam, the factory is still producing, but it's not able to ship it out. So mm-hmm. once all of these factories are all of a sudden ready, there's this huge glut of material that has to get shipped. Which means there's going to be a shipping slowdown as well. It's a domino effect. Yeah. So I just want I just want everybody to recognize how this really is going to affect us. And um, you know we've we've said it before. I don't want to sound like a broken record. If you have the opportunity, if you have the opportunity, in some cases there aren't, but if you have the opportunity to have multiple supply chains or to uh, explore multiple supply chains, don't think that just because the pandemic here in the United States seems to be waning. It's you're still going to have these issues in the future. Yeah, going to have whether it's pandemic driven or whether it's who cares? It doesn't matter what it's driven. You know, I live in Florida; it could be hurricane driven. Um, Just the multiple multiple supply chains is the really the only way you can prepare for something like this, and you need to do it now. You need to do it really yesterday. You know, sooner rather than later, so that you can
0: minimize the effects of these kinds of situations. Yeah. And I I, I want to add too because I've talked to some people about multiple supply chains and I think the answer I get sometimes is that uh, you know the, the attraction says that the the vendor promises or you know they have a history with the vendor I'm going to just say like it doesn't matter if the person you're buying from like promises you that they will get it there uh, because they may not have a choice in the matter that's the big difference here and they the thing is the person you're talking to might be just you know the u.s rep or whatever and maybe everybody in the u.s office you know will do what they can but then the government comes in and shuts down the shipping facility in china and they just they literally you have no recourse so i'm I'm just saying like even if everyone around you is telling you we're gonna have it there it's gonna be okay it's gonna be fine have a backup plan anyway because they may not have a choice in the matter.
1: And from I will just tell you, from a design standpoint, that's exactly what happened this past Christmas with two of my clients. We had situations where um, the decision was made that they needed either a giant tree or a this or a that, which simply was not available. So what we had to do is to find a creative solution to create something that was equally as impactful, but utilized what was already in the United States and what was already sitting in a warehouse that could be purchased without being drop-shipped. So um, there are... The supply chain is, is, I think, the multiple supply chains is probably your first, let's say, uh, layer of defense. Mm-hmm. But secondly, rely on creatives. You know, if you have to create around, I always say that as a creative director, which is what Scott Swenson Creative Development does, as a writer, director, producer, creative director, my job is to usher the concept around all of those rocks and barriers. Um, That will come up and sometimes they're supply chain issues. Sometimes they're casting problems. Sometimes they're weather related. Sometimes they're unexpected construction. There's there's a gazillion and one things, but you need to make certain that you have somebody who can manage that creative pathway uh, around and through all of those challenges so that when you have these kinds of things come up, not if, when you have these things come up, you have somebody who's already focused on, okay, well, we'll tell the same story, but we'll tell it this way. Or we'll make the same guest impact, but we'll do it this way. Um, so you don't have to put all your eggs in one basket and say, you know, in my past example, well, we can't get a big tree, so it's going to be a big empty space in our in our park. Um, that's that's not an option, and quite honestly, not a wise choice. So re- recognize, put a little more weight on your on your creative teams um, or your your outside creatives, and and have them figure out what can we do. We don't have this. So what else can we do? And, you know, I always say give, give yourself a little time to mourn the loss of that idea and then embrace where you what you can do. And sometimes you'll even find that the new idea is more impactful than the old one was. So um, lead on your creatives and, and make them, you know, come up with something new and fun that can use what you got as opposed to what you thought you were ordering and is now sitting in a crate in the middle of the ocean.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that is a great segue into the next kind of section of the show. So, now that we've talked about some of the uh, issues with training and the, the issues, of course, still with the supply chain, the bummer and about, section. We'll
1: call that the bummer section of the yeah, show. Yeah. And kind of the down but, section of the
0: show. But, you know, the takeaways being lean on your creatives and have backup plans. The reason you need to lean on your creatives and have backup plans is because the fall and winter season are rapidly approaching. And they will be huge. Are, It's going to be huge, and there's a lot of announcements uh, kind of coming for that already. And, of course, the biggest one that that came this week is that tickets and packages are now on sale for Halloween Horror Nights in Orlando. For a record-breaking 43 nights from September 2nd through October 31st, Universal Orlando Resort presents Halloween Horror Nights at the Universal Studios Florida. The event will boast 10 new movie quality haunted houses inspired by everything from cinematic greats to unfathomable original abominations, five scare zones with hordes and gruesome creatures lurking in the shadows, and two outrageous live shows that will showcase compelling performances. So I am just, there's there's a lot of, there are no details and yet there are many details in this Uh, 43 nights is a lot of nights. September 2nd is what we were assuming they would go to, which is an expansion, a logical expansion, but it's still an expansion. It is still one of the earliest times they've ever started. And two shows, two live shows. We just talked about the training. That means they need to have two groups of performers ready to go for two shows. Um, We had theorized that they would be back to running two shows, uh, and now it's here. So this is a lot. It's a lot of entertainment. It's a big event. This is a big event. Big, long event. <laughs> it's, a, it's getting ready. It's going to be It's gonna be huge. Other parks also announced. Um, I don't know why they announced at the same time as Universal. That was just silly because no one's talking about them. Um, but, you know, that's just me and my gripes for uh, the PR department at uh, Knotts and World. But, you know, what can we well,
1: do? Well, here, but here's the thing. If, if, because at least in the Florida market, I can't speak for for nationwide, but in the Florida market, um, how, how goes Halloween Horror Nights? So goes everyone else. Um, yeah. If if you don't announce at the same time, then you're somehow an also ran. You know, you're somehow something that is secondary to Horror Nights. Um, and you know, uh, you can use your you, but well, you can use your own opinion as to whether they are or not. Because I mean, there was there was a time when um, Busch Gardens Tampa, and I'm not bragging, I'm just going with, the, with the, what the stats told us, um, Bush Gardens Tampa was holding its own from a, a, a guest enjoyment standpoint um, against Halloween Horror Nights. It didn't spend the money, it didn't make the money, I'll be honest, but it was still, um, from a guest standpoint, uh, a contender. In fact, there were some people who actually preferred the, the event. Um, but... So I understand completely why they did it, because they're, they're all looking, going, when is when is Horror Nights announcing? And once they do, we all have to, to, to get out there, too, and we have to get out in front, just like everybody else. Um, I know there are going to be some people listening who are not Halloween folks. And for those of you who are not Halloween folks, and you're thinking, um, why in the world would they do 43 nights of a Halloween event? And the answer is really simple, because they will fill every single one of them. Yeah, they will. And you have yeah. to recognize that when you do a Halloween event that is a separate ticketed Halloween event, this is like adding 43 days yes. to your operational calendar. Yes. Because it's over and above what people pay to come during the day. This is not a mix-in. This is not... And and I know a lot of you know this, but I just... For those of you who, who are, are new to or don't even think about the Halloween industry, um, as part of a a theme park edition, this is, this is adding, you know, we used to joke, um, back at Bush Tampa that from a revenue standpoint, we could make as much, uh, we called it our 13th month and we could make as much in the, the 13 to 16 days, 13 to 16 days as, as we did in a month of, of regular operations. And now they're going to virtually three times that, um, So I I totally understand why they're doing it. It will be full, you know, it will be full every single night. It will. I, I can just I can just promise that. It's clear that they are looking at um and and going up to 10 houses. That's in 10, you know, new stuff. Um the 10 houses, 5 zones, 2 shows, they are fully they're packed to the gills. They're ready to take people off the sidewalk, so to speak, and um, they're eager to, to get those people back in the door and they wanna give them something to do. So it makes total, total sense. So what does this mean to everyone else in the industry who's not Halloween Horror Nights? What it means is if you're doing Halloween, be prepped for a big year, get out in front of it, don't make it uh, secondary, um, get your decisions made quickly right. because now you know who you're gonna be competing for talking about your supply chain issues, now you know who you're going to be competing for or competing with for the goods that you need. And that's these parks that have gotten out in front of it.
0: Yeah, just a massive event. Um, What what, what I will say, too, in terms of thinking about this, uh, thinking about competition-wise, I think it's actually a good thing that they are starting so early, not just because I love Halloween and I will obviously be there on opening night, duh. But from a competitive standpoint, you know, it basically, what this allows is by the time October rolls around, there should be some guests that are tired of horror nights. So you can capture them for those first few nights that your event is opening. You know, it, it, it gives, so like Universal can have the first two weeks in September to get all the crazy Halloween nuts out there or whatever. And then when you can open a little bit later, it could be like a staggered opening. Because let's face it, a, a lot of, um, we just talked about this with the training. It it is hard to run an event that big. You know, I think m- most other events are not going to have that long of a run. Even a lot of the professional hot houses that Scott and I know, they don't have that long of a run. Um, now on the flip side, so I think in the Orlando market, it, it's a good thing because they get started out early, which means you can just let people go do that and have that. And then they will be kind of board, you know, it, it basically creates more opportunity because they're open so much that people are not choosing between Horror Nights and your event. Because there's honestly, no
1: fuse. there's no fuse lit.
0: There's no, yes.
1: there's no limitation of time. Correct, um,
0: You can go yes. for, you know, two full months. Yes. And, and that, that is a big, um, that that's a big deal because it would be very hard for for anyone to compete on the on the same metrics as Horror Nights in Orlando. It's probably the biggest event in the country. I, I would feel comfortable saying. So on the flip side, w- where I kind of like poo poo is if you are not in that market, uh, like Knotts announced their dates as well, and they're not opening until what like September twenty third, and I, I I'm like that is too late. And so I, if in, it, in my opinion, if you're in these other competitive markets, so if you are a professional haunt house or you are an attraction that has an event or whatever, and you're trying to make a big event in a different market that doesn't have universal mm-hmm. kind of soaking up all this stuff, you know, they are proving that the demand is there. And, and we all know the demand is there. So opening earlier is fine, even if you just open on a Saturday, Sunday to just get your team trained and get ready. Because I, I'm thinking... That is too late. That September twenty third date is too late. You're going to be compete. They're going to be competing against Universal in Hollywood and everybody else. And it's well, Philip. When uh, does Universal Knotz Hollywood Knotz. open? When does Universal Hollywood open? They haven't announced their dates yet, but they they generally open the week after uh, the Florida location. Okay, so that would be like September 9th. Yeah. So I, I guess d- you're right. They'd get t- two full weeks of opening in Hollywood before Knotts opens.
1: Yeah, I here's here's the thing. You know, everybody thinks with Halloween events and Philip you've done the you've done the metrics on this significantly more than I have, but my experience has been with Halloween events. Um people unlike Christmas events, it's not an either or situation. If they have the opportunity, if they go to one Halloween event and they really enjoy it, they want to get scared again. They become adrenaline junkies and they want to go other places. I mean, Philip, you are the the true halloween um, not only professional reporter but also you know professional fanboy really i mean you you adore halloween and you you yeah, go to every single halloween event you possibly can I and do. what's interesting is you're not alone you know there's a lot yeah. of people out there who don't report on it who are phenomenal halloween fans and if you are if the quality of your event is high even if you are in a competitive market People will not necessarily go to the same one over and over again. I know there are those died you know, in the wolf fan, fans who will only go to Halloween Horror Nights and never go to SeaWorld or Busch Gardens or um, any of the other local haunts. You know, um, But that's a minority, and it's getting to be more and more of a minority. More and more people are starting to become like Philip, where they want to experience variety in fear you know and so that's why i always say if you if you you i always say you want your comp- your local competition to be good because if there if it's not then no one's ever going to come to your haunt cuz they had a bad experience at a at a haunted attraction so you want it all to be good because it will continue to to build business for the industry as a whole that said this early opening of universal uh, universal florida and potentially universal hollywood um let's get those wild and crazies out there. What I think, I to be honest, I think the real reason they're doing it is because they have heard for so many years from local independent haunters, we can't ever come and enjoy your product. If they open on September 2nd, if they open on September 2nd, there's going to be folks who can come down, who aren't going to open till the end of September. There's going to be folks from local haunts who can come down and enjoy it. I swear to you, they're they're trying to get that they're trying to get a little bit of a leg up on that that very mm. avid, rabid market that will spend more in the in the gift shops than they did on their ticket and will spend more on the upcharges than they did on their ticket. Um
0: I yeah, I, I agree more with the avid market. I don't really agree with the like the other haunt community because they But that's the who I'm talking team, about. They are yeah, the yeah, avid yeah. Mar- They are the rabid yeah, market, they right. are the one I, I agree with that. And so I, I guess to summarize, w- 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 what my point is also, just think about, before you announce your dates, just think about the, the 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 stacking component here. Like, you don't compete, I hate this, as a Halloween reporter, do not compete for the same weekend. Stop it. Because someone's going to get left out, you're going to make people choose. We never want to make people choose. We want to yes-and everybody for our Halloween events. And... We don't want to make people choose, including media. Do not have your media night on the the same night. Then you're going to make everybody choose. You're going to get less coverage than if you had opened the weekend before for one night. It's okay. It's okay. Also, all the things we said in previous episodes, having a longer run uh, allows you to secure staff for longer periods of time. It's just, there's a bunch of reasons. Anyway, I don't want to, there's one more story I want to get to, which is not Halloween related because I don't want to end on a Halloween note, but Expo 2025 has announced um expo 2020 will end on the 31st of this year uh having completed its six-month run the longer uh, six-month world fairs occur every five years and the next one is currently taking shape in osaka japan expo 2025 osaka kenzai will run from april 13th to october 13th uh, 2025. the theme is designing future society for our lives and they're projecting 28 million visitors And the sub-themes include saving lives, empowering lives, and connecting lives. And the expo organizers said this about the theme, the expo will offer visitors an opportunity not only to explore and observe, but also to take action themselves toward a sustainable future society. Thus, Expo 2025 will be more than an event in 2025. It will give courage and power to visitors for the future, as well as for the future generations at home and abroad. We look forward to meeting working with the world in 2025. I, I like the theme. I, I feel like it, it is, uh, it echoes some of the stuff, trends that we've been seeing in, in entertainment, but it's interesting to just see them put it out there like mm-hmm. in a much more larger general way. But we've been seeing all this, like what are you doing at your attraction that is going to inspire people when they keep inspiring them when they go home? And Scott's talked about this agnosium. And I, I really just like this thread of like, we want you to take to take action home with you and keep doing something.
1: Yeah. I, I, and I think it's, you know, it's kind of going back to the, the, the gold, I'll call it the golden era of, of world's fairs of world's expos. You know, if you visit any major city like Chicago, growing up in Chicago, I have perfect examples. There are permanent museums in Chicago that were built as part of the world's fairs and they still continue to be the, the key hubs of either culture or art or science. And, um, so i love the i agree with you philip i love the idea of creating a uh, a theme that may not be a brick and mortar thing that will go on forever, but it will be <clears throat> a concept that that the people who participate in this expo can continue to live and incorporate into their lives for years to come. Um, and we could go on talking about this for years to come. However, unfortunately, we are out of time, so our thirty minutes have uh, have actually come and gone. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have, please, please, please share. Um, let other people know that we're here, uh, especially people in the industry, because I think they might enjoy it too. Uh, on behalf of behalf of philip hernandez with gantam lighting and control and the haunted attraction network and myself scott swenson from scott swenson creative development this has been green tag theme park in 30 we will see you next week this is a haunted attraction network production